This is episode 8 with iconic New Zealand professional racing driver, Greg Murphy. Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Another bumper episode today. We've got V8 supercar legend Greg Murphy on the scene. Greg's someone I followed for a long, long time when I was growing up. First time I ever heard of him was in 1996 when he won Bathurst with Lounsey. So he's had an incredible career, which includes a four time winner of the great race Bathurst 1000, also a winner of the Bathurst 24 hour race with Peter Brock. While at the back end of his career on the New Zealand Super Tourer Championship, he won back-to-back 2013 and 2014 championships. So it's going to be a great episode, getting great insights, as well, I'm sure, a few different stories coming on out of the actual episode. So stay tuned. Before I we get to Greg, just a big shout-out to everyone that subscribed and left me five-star reviews on iTunes. I really appreciate the support. If you want to get in touch with me, please, any feedback on the show or any guests that you want to see interviewed, please send me an email at tristan at talkingwithtk.com or you can connect with me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, I'm Tristan Cannell. And on Twitter, I am Tristan Cannell Fitness. Now, without further ado, here is my special guest today, Greg Murphy. All right, my special guest is Greg Murphy. Greg is an iconic New Zealand professional race driver. His distinguished career includes an incredible four-time winner of the Bathurst 1000, winner of the Bathurst 24-hour race, and he also was back-to-back V8 Super Tour Championship winner in 2013 and 2014. We welcome to the show, Greg Murphy. Murph, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for the opportunity. No, absolutely. I'm really stoked to have you on when I was growing up. You know, it was you and Lounsey, and I really looked up <laughs> I really looked up to you guys. I had uh, JB, John Bauer, on the other day, which was also fantastic. And, you know, just to get you on, it's, it's quite an honor, mate. So thank you for coming on to the show. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Mate, let's start. I heard recently you've actually switched into New Zealand Rally Championship. So I just yeah. want to see how you were going with that because obviously the cars are quite different. So maybe give a little <laughs> yeah. bit of perspective into your new newfound sport. Yeah, it, it's uh, rallying something that um, I suppose being a native Kiwi, it's 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 a pretty been a very popular form of motorsport for a, a long time. I've I've always uh, enjoyed watching it. You know, hit it, hit it out into um, the the green pastures around the back blocks in New Zealand several times when WRC was on and, and Possum Bourne was such a, a huge part of uh, the rally culture here and such a big name and, and um, you know, I just I really enjoyed and, and had great admiration for these guys and these just incredible four-wheel drive machines doing what they did on, on loose surface. So I've, I've always had a, a, a bit of a passion of following it, um, always wanted to have a bit of a go, um, but, uh, you know, the opportunity never really existed. And, you know, while I was circuit racing, doing what I was doing, I was, it was, I was focused on that. So never had the chance. But, um, 
when I sort of got, uh, stopped racing professionally full time uh, on the Australian circuit and, and moved back to New Zealand at the end of 2013, uh, so it wasn't too long before an opportunity, opportunity presented itself with a whole lot of friends and mates that I know for you know that live back here that have still got a passion for the sport, and I had a bit of a crack and a and a sort of classic classic type rallying, yeah. and um, and I was you know I knew before I'd even had a go I was going to probably uh, fall in love with it, and um, so I did, and and it's been been just a, a blast absolute blast and it's, it's just it's a, it's totally different as you said it's it's all new there's you basically take nothing from you know however many years of circuit racing you start from scratch and you know i think that's what i'm i'm really enjoying about it. it's just a whole new found um uh, area of the sport that you know you it's motor racing but it's you know you're not racing against anyone else you're racing against the clock there's no other cars you know, racing you down to the first corner. You've got a co-driver. You've got notes. You've got, you've got gravel. You've got a, a very, very different way of driving. And um, I'm just loving the, 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 the new challenge essentially. And and it's not something that I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to, you know, master and take to, uh, into a new career or anything like that. It's just, you know, that's that's way, way gone. But yeah. um, I just uh, am wanting to do something where I can. I suppose you can still get a bit of a kick and a bit of a thrill, and, and as I say, that the change is, is so extreme. Um, it's it's just an enjoyable an enjoyable change to, um, to to motor racing for me. Yeah, Murph, what made you pick the Holden Barana? Well, I've, you know, I've been very lucky since my um, touring car career started in, in Australia back in 1995 to have a, a pretty uh, fortunate. Um, relationship with with Holden, and I still do, and I still have a, a, a great close relationship here in New Zealand with, with Holden New Zealand, and, and we still do quite a few things together over here, and just uh, marketing the brand, and and uh, you know, with I suppose my name, um, if anyone's involved in the sport and knows anything about me and the sport, they'll know that uh, probably second to uh, not much else is is Holden, and uh, you know, so the the new AP4 class that hold uh, that New Zealand's taking on. Um, fairly extensively over here, AP4 Rally class, which is based around uh, the small small cars, um, similar to what WRC is. Um, the Barina fits in perfect, so um, it was a matter of making a few phone calls and, and getting some support behind it to, to go and build some, some brand new full drive Barina AP4 cars. Yeah, Murph, have you had a chance to reflect on everything you have achieved? Because for someone that's come out from a, like I was mentioned at the top of the show, you know, I've interviewed guys like uh, JB and, you know, I mentioned guys like Craig Lowndes as well. And, you know, when I was growing up, it was predominantly Australian sport. And for you to break through was was quite amazing and achieve everything you did. So have you had a chance to reflect on everything that you did achieve? <laughs> well, I suppose I have. I mean, I, um, I suppose so. I mean, we've, when I decided to um, pull up stumps uh, from full-time racing, it was, you know, there was a, it was a pretty difficult time i mean the decision essentially in the end was really made for me and i and you know by not having a uh, a step at the end of 2013 oh sorry the end of 2012 yeah i didn't i didn't have a full-time drive on offer um moving into 2013 that's when the new car of the future regulations came into effect and and you know i also looked at it and went you know i've had the last few years which have been very very tough um, I haven't really enjoyed my racing because I haven't been competitive. I've been, you know, bashing my head against a bit of a wall there, you know, doing, trying my hardest, trying to do everything that right to be competitive, and it's just not coming together. So, you know, I, I didn't want to go somewhere else just for the sake of going racing. I wanted to go somewhere if I had the opportunity that I was hopefully going to be able to resurrect a bit of my career and get back in, in, in a competitive car, and, and that just wasn't going to be there. So, 
you know, the decision was to, to go and do some endurance uh, racing with the Holden Racing team for a little while and, and mm-hmm. to see where that went and and, re- and move back to New Zealand and refocus. And and when, when I made that decision, you know, there was definitely a bit of reflection and, and there was some, um, you know, amazing people that I've had the, the uh, um, opportunity to work with over many, many years who, you know, who I'm close to who, who did make a bit of a big deal about it. And then when I did end up, you know, quitting full-time uh, in the endurance side of things as well. You know, it was, uh, you know, there was some, as I say again, some some very important people in my life who, who uh, you know, who, who made me, you know, remember and, and reflect on, on what a lot of that stuff had been. But at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, I was fortunate to have been in the right place at the right time for a lot of the things, and, and that's what it takes. Um, you know, there's plenty of people along the way that have contributed to, to my success and allowed me to do it, and... So it wasn't, you know, it's not just about me. It's about everybody else that played a part in it as well. Yeah. What do you think was the major contributor, though? Because, you know, you won four Bathurst, 96, 99, 2003, and 04. However, despite being in kind of that top five for a long, long time, it took you till 2013 and then 2014 again to win a championship. So what do you think the actual, <laughs> what do you think, what was the, did you make a change at all during that little that little time? And well, no, the difference was, you know, it was a championship back in New Zealand that um, was very, very different. And, and you know, I still believed I was competitive and I still, you know, I think I can still drive a race car pretty good. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, when I came back to New Zealand and did the Super Tour thing over here, you know, it's a, it's a very different um, uh, level of competition. I mean, we had some very good competition. Scott McLaughlin was, was racing in the Super Tour Championship at the same time as, you know, as he was racing in Australia. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen came over and did some races. And, and so the, the thing about it was the cars that we were running over here were essentially all the same. You know, they, were, they, they didn't have, um, you couldn't spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on research and development and, and yeah. you know, build a new new front end on the car that's, you know, that cost all this money to try and go faster. And, and that's what I love about sort of one-make competition is it, it's not about how much money you've got. It's it's about um, you know the the work that goes on behind the scenes and and the focus on making sure you dot all your eyes and cross your t's and and so it was it was very different and you know I, I just enjoyed being a part of something that I was hopefully helping uh, get some attention and and, and grow and you know um, that all came to an end uh, at the end of, end of 2014 for me and decided to pull up stumps because it was sort of you know we'd been there done that and it was time to move on yeah. Murph, 1996, you win the Bathurst 1000 with Craig Lowndes. Like, that's your first year into the sport, into major competitive sport. I wanted to know, how does a young bloke from New Zealand end up in Australia and one year in win a Bathurst? Well, yeah, it was, it was probably by that stage, it was a couple. I mean, I, I, we made the, when I say we, it was sort of my dad and I who, who, uh, him and he was such an intrinsic part of, of, you know, giving me and guiding me and the opportunities to, to end up really where I did, and, mm. and that all started way back when I was, you know, started karting when I was, you know, back in, when I was eight years old. So, you know, and, and that's really where we thought we were going as far as our motorsport was just um, a pretty amateur sort of level of karting, and, and um, you know, we used to go pretty good in that, but, you know, it was uh, trying to take a next step into car racing was something that was very foreign to us. We didn't have a family connection. There was no, you know, history dating back before before my dad or anything like that. So I won a scholarship, which got me um, into a Formula Ford in New Zealand for my first season. And, um, and you know, that was really the, I mean, that was the catalyst for it all. That's what gave me the, the stepping stone to actually get into a car. And, and, you know, obviously, as you can imagine, a young guy, I was 19 at the time, you know, yeah. jumping into a, 
a, a, a Formula Ford, sorry, 18 at the time, jumping into a Formula Ford, um, you know, not ever dreaming you were going to, that was, I mean, that was just the most incredible thing ever. So, you know, took that with both hands and, and decided after that first season that that's, you know, was going to continue to try and stay just doing the New Zealand Championship, which is over the summer each year. Yep. We did that for a few years and managed to, um, you know, build up, up, up a little bit of a profile. Um, and then um, the summer of 94, the beginning of summer 94, um, the the championship sort of was changing a little bit. And I was racing single-seaters in New Zealand from an Atlantic racing cars at the time. And um, they were struggling as a championship. And the, the Formula Brabham Championship from New Zealand, uh, from Australia, um, there was connection there'd been a connection th- uh, through the series here in New Zealand and they invited a bunch of Formula Brabham's to come over and race as part of the New Zealand single-seater championship. And, and I, um, my dad and I, we ended up uh, leasing one of the cars from Australia, one of the Formula Holt or Formula Brabham cars, and um, did very well in, in that car throughout our summer and, and decided to take the, take the dive and head to Australia to um, um, uh, drive in the the Australian Drivers' Championship in 1994. Yep. And it was a race-by-race race deal. It was uh, first it was all we could afford. First up was a car that really probably wasn't recognised as a as a race winner. But um, we did our homework and arrived at the first round at Eastern Creek in, in April 94 and, and dominated the weekend. And and um, things sort of started to move from there. We got, so got a, a tap on the shoulder from a guy after the race who was the co-owner in the, the then brand new Australian Super Tour Championship and his name was Peter Addison and, and um, he was a Sydney based guy and he was keen to get motorsport up and going and he and Terry Morris were the owners of the Super Touring Championship then and and he gave me my first opportunity um, in a touring car in, in Australia driving a two litre Toyota at uh, Phillip Island and that was at the second round, and I was racing my Formula Holden or Formula Brabham Formula Holden, and um, and and a Toyota at the same time. So two yeah. different classes on a weekend, and I thought I thought uh, all my Christmases had come at once, and yeah. so so things started to go from there. My first Bathurst was actually that year, 1994, um, in this two-liter Toyota Carina. So that's that, I think that was the last year that they had the combination of of um, V8s or tour, you know Group A touring cars yep. and the slower two-liter cars. And so my first first time there was actually in a, in a in a two-liter car, and, and then from there she moved on. And '95, um, I was lucky enough to get uh, picked up by the Holden Racing Team to join Craig Lowndes mm-hmm. and as a as a co-driver. They were, you know, sort of just starting out their their, their new uh, youth policy and looking for. Um, you know, uh, ways to set themselves up for the future. And, and um, you know, Peter Brock was, you know, uh, my hero and, and still a, an incredible race car driver, but they were starting to plan around, you know, the likes of Peter and Thomas Mazira and, and those guys sort of moving on. And, and Lounsey was the first one, and I was very, very fortunate to be the uh, the second guy they chose. And, and my nationality was just not, you know, it was never in question for them. So it was mm. I was very fortunate. Yeah, it was so. Had you met Lounsey before you guys were actually yeah. paired up? We were racing. We raced together in '94. Um, I mean, he was he was already signed up then to to drive with Brad Jones at HRT in '94, and he, you know he put his name square and uh, very very firmly on the map with um, that uh, dice he had um, on the mountain with John Bow. In, uh, in 1994, and and so I knew who he was, but we'd been racing against each other in, in the in the Australian Drivers Championship 
um, as well, Formula Rams, Formula Holdens. And um, so, you know, we, we knew each other, and, and I certainly was blown away seeing him, watching him that year do what he did at, uh, up at Bathurst, even though I was there on a two-liter car. And, and then we, um, we, you know, we were slapped together in 95, which was, um, yeah, as I say, the rest is history. Yeah, 96 you won with Craig, 99 you won with Stephen Richards, and then you won back-to-back 2003 and forward with Rick Kelly. What was yep. the difference between the first with Craig and the very last with Rick? Uh, well, well, the last, the last, I mean, the first and last are uh, yeah, pretty special for different reasons. The first one, you know, um, as I say, the, the second attempt, although I never got to drive the car in 95 because we had engine problems early on in the pace, I never even got to steer it in the race in 95. And then in 96, you know, the first time you actually race a, a touring car, or a V8 touring car, Group A car, at the mountain, you win it. Um, you know, so, you know, I don't really have to go into, you know, too much detail how that would feel yeah. as, a, as a young guy, the two youngest blokes ever to win the race. Um, it was just a, uh, just outrageous. It took weeks for it to sink in, <laughs> absolutely weeks, you know. And, and um, you know, I was just at the top of the world at that stage. And, you know, things got better in 96 as well because I, I also um, ended up driving for the, for the team, and a sort of one-off of, well, there was two events in New Zealand that year at the end of the season, right after the championship had finished and Bathurst was over. There was some a couple of um, races, one at Pukekohe and one at uh, Wellington on the streets of Wellington, the street race, the last ever street race. And I was uh, fortunate enough to drive uh, the number one winning car um, there alongside Peter Brock for my first sort of uh, solo um touring car entrance so you know things were pretty amazing so it was a, a good year and a great year and something i'll never forget and then you know winning in 90 in 2004 with rick you know you don't know that's going to be your last win and um at the at the mountain and but it was back to back you know as well so two two in a row you know that's just uh, something that you just never i mean it's hard to believe you won but to, to have to win two in a row is also um, pretty outrageous. So, you know, it came close a few more times, um, as many people have. But um, you know, it's, uh, the mountain is a is a is a very very selective place, and you've got to do everything right. And uh, you know, when I say everything right, you've got to be fast. You've got to have a good co-driver. You've got to be a good driver. You've got to you've got to have a great team. You can't make any mistakes. And I've been there plenty of times and have have had made my own mistakes and had teams make mistakes as well. Guys, we hope you're enjoying the episode with Greg Murphy. If you haven't yet, check out our latest episode with another V8 supercar driver, John Bauer. Here's a quick sneak peek. Uh, well, 89, it was a bit of a, you know, a, bit, a bit of a certain amount of disbelief. I was, it was only my second year in the team. I'd raced at Bathurst, 85, 86, 87, 88. We had come, Glenn Seaton and I had come second in 87, and then Nissan and Dick and I had come second in 88. So then in 89 we won and I, I just, I kind of, I didn't take it in as well as I wish I had now. I just kind of expected it because we'd, I'd come second twice anyway, which is not all that easy to do, yeah. subsequently found out. Um, uh, but in 94 I was much more involved with the team and much more entrenched in how it all worked and what went on and the development of the car and all that stuff so I uh, you know I, I enjoyed the 80 the, the 94 race a lot, a lot more I was I felt more of a, a participator and a contributor to it and let's face it I mean motor racing 
you don't win anything unless you got the right people behind you and with you. Yeah. And it was no different then than it is now. You only have to look at BJR Team Penske now and they've got, all of a sudden they've got the right mix and look at the, the way they're going, you know, and there's hardly anything changed, just a few people. Yeah, we've had some bumper episodes, so go back and check a few of the others. We've had Robbie Madison, Mark Ocalupo, and also Mark Hunt on the show. So check out their episodes. If you haven't yet, please subscribe via iTunes and Stitcher. And if you've got a bit of time, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. Now, we hope you're enjoying the show, so let's get straight back to it. Yeah, you know, after 1996, did you notice that people may have, you know, changed the way they treated you or did they come after you in terms of your competitors and things like that? Uh, no, I think, I, th- I think when you, when you make a bit of a mark, obviously, um, yeah, you know, the focus changes and, and, you know, you become, I suppose they, people take it a bit more seriously. So, you know, I, I remember 96 after the race. Um, and I remember some of the stuff that was, you know, listening back, listening to the commentary, Alan Moffat was commentating that year and, you know, some of the stuff that he was saying during the commentary was is absolutely gold. Like it's it's hilarious. I mean, he he's he's just like I don't you know he's like I won't even try to do his accent, but his accent's fantastic. And he's just saying I don't know who this Kiwi is, but you know if he's going to you know go out there and fight someone like Dick Johnson, he he better do it clean and he better do it really well. And you know, and he's and then at the end of it, he's like, well, you know, for all you Kiwis that are still awake over there in New Zealand, and we're talking like six o'clock in the afternoon, um, you know, you know this uh, this this young guy. Blah 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 blah, and you know, and it's like you know, he had no idea who I was, and rightly so. Um, but you know, after winning Bathurst, you know, people like him, I suppose, start to go, mm, "Who's you know, who's that guy?" But it took a while because you know, it, it, the next day, the Monday morning, and the press conference that night, and then the next morning when all the TV crews want to talk to you and all that, it was all about Craig. You know, it was all Craig, 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 and it was like I. You know, basically, he did the whole thing himself, yeah. um, which he probably could have. You know, he didn't actually need me. He would have. He would have done it, done it easy by himself. But you know, we he never he never treated me. We you know, we as far as he was concerned, we were equals, and we we did this together, and it, and that was great, and and that's all that mattered because the team felt the same. But you know, it, it took a, a little while because he was already on the map. It took a while before for I suppose um, me to to find my mark and I think that happened not long after and then Craig disappeared overseas for 97 and, and I slotted into um, you know driving the 15 at the Holden Racing Team alongside Peter Brock so you know the team rewarded me with, with, with that which you know was uh, was pretty incredible pretty amazing yeah we've met, you know you've mentioned Peter Brock a number of times now what I want to ask you, you you competed with him in 2003 in that Baptist 24 hour race yep so I really wanted to just pick your brain a little bit what did you learn in that race from Pete and your other, your other drivers were Jason Bright and Todd Kelly as well but what did you learn about yourself in that race uh, that was an interesting race because it, it, you know and rightly so it was it was all about Peter and it should have been I mean um, to for us for me and Jason and, and Todd to to be you know honored by you know, having our names on that car and and partnering him in that race, you know, that was that was just that was seriously cool. I, I never got to drive with Peter at Bathurst. We were teammates in separate cars, but you know, I'd been watching him for a long time. We say we were teammates in '97 when he announced his retirement, and um, you know, I learned a lot. I learned 
I learned so much from him throughout that 12 months that we were together, and I learned a lot from him from you know plenty of other times as well. He was a he was a very inter- interesting man, very um, selfless man, and he in many ways. I mean, he he was there for his fans. He made a big deal of all those people that um, were out there supporting him. He, you know, and he, he was pretty modest in that respect. Um, you know, he, he obviously had had his own flaws and and bits and pieces, but he was he was someone that I grew up idolising and, and it was an honour to be a part of anything that he was he was involved in and to drive the 05 you know Monaro in that 24 hour race was was incredibly special so you know I knew I knew right from the start and I, I understood what we were there to do and and um, I was there just to, to do my job as were the other guys I'm sure and um, and hopefully you know get a reward out of it and we, we did we got this massive reward I mean there was really only two cars in the race it was the Aero 5 car and the, and the yellow car um, that was you know had Garth Tander on board and and um, oh goodness I can't remember the other guys at the moment it was Garth who else was in there Nathan Pretty was in there I think Kim McConville maybe um, so you know and that was a they had uh, won the year before so we were out there to um, ruin the party, and, and it was an amazing finish. You know, Garth and I were given the green light to go to race. After 24 hours, we raced the last seven minutes, uh, absolutely flat chat, and it was just uh, phenomenal. I knew there was no way I was going to let that car pass because it meant a lot to, uh, to cross the line driving a car with 05 on the door. Yeah. How does the 24-hour race work in terms of how long are you in the car? Do you go to sleep at all? How does that work? Well, you try to sleep. I mean, it's the only, it's the only one here in Australia that I've done. That was the last one. That was the last 24-hour race that uh, we've ever had. The 12-hour now is very popular, but it's for very different cars. And the 24-hour in 2003 was the last one. So, you know, to have that trophy is, is pretty cool. But, yeah, you, you spread it out. Sometimes you double stint. Sometimes you do a single stint. Um, it... it I don't know if we really had much of a plan before we started, to be honest. Um, it sort of just falls into place and, you know, you've got three other guys, so that should be a minimum of six hours before, you know, you um, you get back in the car, really, usually, um, if you do a double. So, you know, it could be four, it could be five, it could be whatever. It just depends on, on how it works out. But it worked out that I was in the car for the last stint, or the last couple of stints, which, um, you know, um, I'm pretty, uh, pretty pleased about. I, I think at the time... I don't know if the other guys wanted to be in the car or not. You know, it's one of those things when it comes coming down to the wire and it's, um, it's looking like you're leading and you, you could possibly win. Um, do you want to be in it and be the one that doesn't win or do you want to be in the car when, it, when you do cross the line first? So, But I was happy to be there. Yeah, 2003 was such a special year. Not only was Bathurst 24 hours, you won Bathurst 1000. But the big thing, and I'm going to get in trouble if I don't speak about it, is the lap of the God. Can we can we just take you can we take it back just to two thousand three? I'm pretty sure you would have talked about this a hundred times, but <laughs> I think more like a couple of thousand a million times. times. But mm. can you just did you kind of visualise this? Like, did you have any idea that you were ever going to get close at all? Uh, listen, I, I've always put a lot of emphasis. I always had put a lot of emphasis on the shootout. You know, when I got a chance to be the one doing the shootout, and it's not all those. I mean, I've the the, the level of drivers that i've shared a car with is so high you know that um it wasn't always me that was in the car and you know um that's that's fine i mean i think um uh i only i think uh, todd and i shared it maybe shared a, a shootout between us the two years prior and then in 2003 it was my turn but 2002 had been a disaster because um we'd been given a i'd been given a five minute penalty or well, todd and i 
um, yeah, in the Kmart car for a, a, a pit problem or pit issue where I'd, I'd left the pit bay because the car was dropped on the ground the hose was still attached and the officials gave us this five-minute penalty, which was just, you know, oh, it was obscene, to yeah. be honest. Um, uh, especially when, you know, Todd and I were definitely within a chance of, of you know, we had a, a fair right of winning that race that, that day, as many others did, but we were certainly, you know, had a car fast enough to be there at the finish. So 2003, you know, 12 months on, there was probably a bit of a, a subliminal kind of, um, you know, desire going on in my brain that I wasn't really thinking about. I was, you know, it was we made a bit of a joke of the whole situation at the start of that weekend. Um, but I was confident. I, I just I just had a really good feeling about the race and, and about the, everything. And it started off really, really well. I mean, the, the first, um, I think, first two practice sessions or first three or whatever it was, you know, we were fastest and set, setting some pretty amazing times. And then we went into qualifying on Friday afternoon and, and um, at the end of qualifying, it was me, um, uh, Mark Scaife and John Bauer all separated by one-tenth of a second yeah, at the end of qualifying on a 207.9. Now, that was the first time anyone had been in the sevens, you know. It was the first time any car had ever been in the sevens. And 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 I was quicker, so I was on provisional pole. And, and you know, things have just been going so good. And, and But I felt really, really comfortable with the car. It just felt incredible. And um, so I was confident. I, I just knew we had a good package. I knew I had amazing confidence in Rick his ability even though it was his first year with me as a teammate and yeah. I just had massive confidence in what he was capable of doing and we believed in each other and we had a, an amazing team and and then so the shootout the next day I always as I started to say before I always had this uh, this really huge respect for the shootout I thought it was an uh, incredible part of the weekend and something that you know the top 10 shootout has become synonymous because of Bathurst and you know, it's something that I used to sit and watch when I was, you know, back in New Zealand before I'd ever got to Bathurst and just, you know, I just used to love and appreciate, you know, these guys going at it for one lap and, and what they put on the line to make it happen. And so, you know, anyone that says, oh, you know, when they don't get pole position, oh, it's a long race tomorrow, that's just absolute rubbish. That's just bullshit. It's just, that's just, oh, I didn't get pole and I'm disappointed, so that's the best I got. Yeah. You know, it's it's... When you're in the shootout, you go out there to put a lap in to be on pole position, and that's it. That's all there is to it. And if there's any if there's any other excuses that come out after that, it's just well, I wasn't good enough on the day. Simple as that. And you know, I, I, I enjoyed that pressure, even though I was always anxious and maybe nervous. It was it was it was like it was an opportunity. You know, every all the eyes are on you. This is Bathurst. You put it on the line. You make it happen if you can. And um, that day. 03, that's what I intended on doing and um, I had no intention to, to do what I did, I just had an intention to be the fastest and um, it just so happens it was um, it was a little bit faster than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, Murph, did you have any superstitions before a race? No, I don't I didn't, um, I never really thought about anything like that, it was, I didn't you know, uh, uh, on purpose do anything before something else or have a, have a schedule or a structure but that day um, I did uh climb in the car a lot earlier than what I normally do because I'm sort of one of these guys that doesn't like to be alone or not like to, you know, sit there and, and try to think too much or visualise or anything like that. That day, for whatever reason, um, you know, I just was happy to get in the car and sit there and ponder and, and wait for my turn. Um, 
which was probably a little bit different to what I normally was. But, um, you know, it's funny because I did it once and I expected in 2004 to to do exactly the same thing (laughs) and it didn't happen. So, you know, tried my hardest, tried everything and and it just wasn't the same. And and it's interesting, you know, that, that, that just that day, the conditions, the car, everything. And... You know, I've, I don't think I've ever been able to, to feel the same again, you know, and it, it comes down to having confidence, and I had so much confidence in the in the Kmart car that, that weekend. Yeah. Did you do anything, because the cockpit is so hot in the V8 car, did you do any special training or alter your training as, as your career went past? Well, back in, back then when there was no cool suits, I mean, I, you know, Lounsey and I, uh, I think I think the HRT car, our HRT car, was one of the last not to run power steering. I mean, okay. it was just the way things were. Um, you just dealt with it. We, you know, when I got to the Holden Racing Team back in the nineties, you know, one thing that Jeff Greg um, did do was he decided that you know all of these other sports uh, focus on fitness and training so much. He said, you know, and he was like, well, why shouldn't we be doing the same with our, our cars? You know, driving our cars and our drivers so that they're mentally tough, that they're physically tough and physically fit, they should be mentally mentally fit. And so he got us onto a regime. We had, you know, maybe we had, maybe we were the first guys to ever have trainers in Australia and touring cars, I'm not sure. But, you know, we were doing things I think a lot of others weren't. And that just carried through. And so became a fairly integral part of it, which is now, you know, it's just every day for all the drivers, you know, they're always, uh, they're working very hard um, behind the scenes, you know, physically to be as fit as they can. Um, but, you know, I we never ran cool suits. The first, you know, Clips or 500 back in, you know, 1999 when there's people passing out and, you know, first time we'd ever done 250Ks by ourselves was, was outrageous, but we just learned to adapt and, you know, you trained and you did what you needed to do, but... Um, you know, as the years have gone by, there's been more and more devices added. You know, we, we had um, uh, air going into our helmets for you know, cool air, but it wasn't cool. It was just air ambient coming in. And then, you know, things started to get cooled down through ice boxes and that kind of stuff, and the cool suits started appearing. And, and now, you know, drivers can't live without them. Um, they're fitter than, than, you know, than we ever were back in our day, yeah. but they can't live without it. But it's all about performance. It's all about making sure that the, the body is, is optimised. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it certainly has changed a lot. It's, it's been a, a massive shift over the years. Murph, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Before I let you go, I want everyone at home following Greg Murphy on Facebook. He's v 8 and his website, and you should probably check this out, murphhotlaps.com. Maybe before you go, maybe give a little plug for Murph Hot, Hot Laps there, Greg. Oh, yeah, we do, we do here in New Zealand. Um, uh, we've, we've been doing it for a long time. Um, and we just uh, have used a V8 supercar in the past for quite a few years. At the moment, we're, we're now using a, uh, the, the Super Tourer, which has you know, got a LS7 in it, and um, we've just got a new Hollinger gearbox fitted to it, so it's pretty rapid. It goes, goes very good. And uh, we have a few days throughout the year that we, um, you know, we end up at Hampton Downs doing hot laps. So get on the Hampton Downs website too. There's um, there's actually uh, an ability to, to book through that site as well, hamptondowns.co.nz. So yeah, that's something that um, doesn't take up a huge amount of time, but um, uh, is, has been a great asset to have over the years to take sponsors and 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 a lot of fans, a lot of lot of amazing fans who get the chance to come and uh, sit in the passenger seat and go for some uh, some pretty wild laps around uh, around some of the racetracks. So it's it's that's been really enjoyable because it, it gives everyone the perspective of what it's actually like because it's very difficult to understand it from a, from uh, watching on television. So yeah, it's all good. Okay, Murph. Final question before I let you leave. Now you achieved you one of the best races out there. For people 
you know, out there trying to achieve their own dreams, what advice would you have for them trying to do that? Well, yeah, in motorsport or as a sport as a whole? Just a sport or maybe just chasing their own dreams. Yeah, uh, listen, mate, I, I sort of was, as I say, I had uh, a pretty good upbringing, you know, as in um, always supported. You know, I wasn't, we weren't financially financially well off or anything. I had to work very hard and and that's something that I think I've, I've stuck to all the way through. It's, it's, it's about the amount of effort you put in um, to it. And, you know, I had, you know, I was running around, had three or four jobs, after school jobs that I was, you know, that I had way back when just to, to try and, you know, earn enough money to pay for my new set of go-kart tyres and all that kind of stuff. And it really comes down to how bad you do want it. I mean, I think the opportunities these days for anybody out there are huge. I mean, motorsport's difficult because it costs so much money. It is so goddamn expensive yeah. to get into it. So because of the machinery, you know, the cost is huge. But, you know, it might not be motorsport. It might be something else. It might be footy. It might be, it might be golf. It might be anything. And it, and it comes down to really how much you want it, what you're prepared to put in. And I think there's, there's, there's just so many uh, great role models out there that have done these things and done them so well and put in. I mean, if you look at Mark Webber, you look at Daniel Ricciardo, um, you, know, you just look at how much effort. Mark Webber, he came from a, a pretty pretty average sort of um, background as well. You know, from Queanbeyan, his dad was, was very passionate, but the work he put in and the work Daniel put in, and, the, and any anyone that has been successful in our sport, you know, people have just tipped in so much time and effort and being dedicated to it, and and that's no no different to any other sport. I mean, um, if you want it and it's there, um, you you've got to go above and beyond. And it's something I keep telling my kids, you know, it's just not going to be handed to you on a platter. Don't expect it to be. Um, you go and chase it, and sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. But you, you don't want to have any regrets. Yeah, wise words, Murph. Thanks so much for stopping by talking with TK. I've really enjoyed our chat hey, for the pleasure. last half hour, and I wish you all the best for. 2017 and hopefully see you over in Auckland sometime soon. I appreciate it. Cheers, man. Guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode with Greg Murphy. Next on the show, another legend. We've got Wallabies and New South Wales Waratahs legend David Campisi joining us on the show. It's another bumper-packed episode. If you haven't yet, check out our other episode with V8 Supercar legend John Bow. We've had Robbie Madison, Mark Ocalupo, George Cambosis, Merv Hughes, Paul Harrigan and Mark Hunt to start the first couple of weeks of the show. So an absolute star-studded lineup, just really just showcasing you know the brilliance of both Australian and New Zealand sports. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher, and if you can, please leave us a five-star review. Now, we really hope you're enjoying the show. Like I said, Campo on next, so stay tuned. But until next time, I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK. 